Uh, turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2. While well, you're turning there, right? 1 Peter chapter 2. And uh, if you're using the kind of Bible I have, an ESV, it's, it mirror, the page numbers mirror the Bible in the pew uh, rack in front of you. It's page number 1015, 1015. So while you're turning there, I'll tell you this quick story. So my wife and I have two grandsons. And uh, so they're three and a half and one and a half. But when the three and a half year old was, you know, six months old, I kind of forget the, the age level and so on. Um, ma- Mom, our daughter-in-law, wanted to help our, our grandson Samuel um, communicate. Because when you're a parent and you have this little toddler, or little child, uh, they tend to have like one word, which is, you know, and you know, you're trying to, you try to decipher what does that mean, you know, and pa- moms are great. They can just figure it out. They just look at the face. They just know it. But they were just, they were just trying to, she was trying to give them a little bit more, a, a better way to communicate some. So she started to teach her, teach him sign language. So, you know, like some of you are raising your hands like, duh, yeah, that's what they do now. You know what I'm saying? And like, well, we didn't do that when we were raising our kids. But so, you know, it works really well at the table. So what, what does this mean? Huh? Please, right? So, you know, oh, you want some more food? How do you ask? Please. Okay. And uh, if uh, you, you want more, what's more? Right? I want more. So I like to have more. And uh, if, if he's done, you know, I'm finished. Finished. Right? And, uh, and you, instead of, which means I want to get out of my seat, you teach him, get out. Right? So, and then, but there comes a point where the little one gets to be uh, of an age where there's been enough word association with the, the sign where now you say, okay, I want this little one to start talking. And so the phrase that my son and daughter-in-law use is, use your words. Use your words. And you know what? That's all I'm saying to you today. Okay? That's all we've said to you last Sunday, yesterday, if you came to the seminar. That's all we're saying. That's what God is, I'm, I believe I'm speaking for God at this point. Okay, not presuming, but just saying this is what God's word says. There comes a time when you have to use your words. Speak up. And here's a wonderful thing. At the moment of need, I've watched this when a, the little one, and now it's now the one and a half year old's doing the signs and so on. And pretty soon, and I think we're at the point where, you know, they're going to be saying to him, use your words. There comes a point where the, um, the, the mom, or, mom or dad, now at the moment of need, and so they can tell the little one's really frustrated and they're really trying to get a message across. And, and um, you know, they're saying this, they're, they're giving some kind of sign, but at that moment, they're trying to encourage them to speak, and they give the words. Do you want to get up? Get up? More? Are you finished? In other words, they begin to implant the vocabulary that at the moment of need, the father or the mother gives the child what to say. And this, is a, this illustrates for us, I think, also, what we've been trying to communicate 
last Sunday, yesterday, today, is that at the moment of need, when you decide, I got to speak up, I got to say something here, I want you to know, God wants you to know that he will give you the words to say. He will, he will show you what to say. In the moment of need, he'll give you the words. But he wants you to use them. Uh, you've heard the, have you heard this statement? Uh, share the gospel every day and when necessary, use words. Well, I don't believe that's true. Okay, And if I've used it before, please forgive me. But I've thought a little bit more about that. I don't really believe that's true. Now, I know that we need to live the kind of life that uh, uh, adorns the gospel of God. That's what it says in, in Titus, that we live such a life that our, our, our good works adorn the gospel. But the Bible says faith... Wait, does the Bible say faith comes by seeing? What does it say? It comes by hearing. So what does that mean? It means... You have to use your words. You have to speak. And I want to tell you, I want to remind you again, that at the moment of need, when you want to speak, the Father will give you, by, by the power of the Spirit, He will give you the words to say. So, here's my parting shot from, from, uh, on this issue about, you know, reaching those around us. 1 Peter chapter 2, and we're just going to look at verses 9 and 10. But what does Peter say? He says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a people belonging to God. And I forgot one of them, so let me... uh, Holy nation, thank you. A holy nation, a, a people for his own possession. I'm mixing up my New American Standard and my NIV and all that. A people for his own possession. That, that, that's a, a word, um, we're not going to fiddle with the Greek, but all, all it is is it's a marker of purpose. That word, that, in the original language is a marker of purpose. Here's the purpose. Why has he made you a chosen race, a royal pre... And by the way, chosen race is not like a superior race, but the idea is that God has chosen a people and he, that choice has been made from among all races, among all people groups around the world, which is why we are sending missionaries to unreached people groups because God has chosen folks from among all the nations. So, but he's saying collectively, we who are the people of God are a chosen race, a royal priest, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. That purpose, why you may proclaim, proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. But he's not done yet. What does he say next? Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So here's the, here's the byline for the message. Here's, here's the point. The extravagant grace of God leads us to speak. So what we're talking about now is the sustainability of this, this desire 
the sustainability of the desire to keep on keeping on, to keep at it, to keep the main thing the main thing, to never give up. To the day you die, you adopt as a lifestyle this desire to share the gospel. What will keep you going? Here's what will keep you going, and this is what prepares us for the the Lord's table. It is the extravagant grace of God. Is that as we ponder yet the Lord's death, and as we think about the, the... product, the results of what does Jesus' death produce in us? What did, it, what did he provide? What has he done for us? As you think about the fact that we as a, as a people, uh, believers, are a chosen race. God took the initiative and for reasons known only to himself and not because of any goodness in me and not because he foresaw my faith in Jesus, but solely and only because God had a purpose and a plan to save a sinner and a rebel like me. He didn't get a bargain when he got me, but he chose me for his own reasons. That needs to filter down into our emotions and then it needs to leak out out of our mouths that the fact that I don't know why he's done this but he has oh I want to proclaim his excellencies and by the way the proclamation of his excellencies is both worship and witness look at that he's saying I've done this for you. I've made you these things, a chosen race and royal priesthood. Why? So that you can proclaim. The word means to um, make widely known. So in that word, proclaim is both worship and witness. And here I think as a, a, I'll call it a pastoral insight. So after years of being in the ministry, here, here you go. I believe that there, to the degree that we worship, we witness. In other words, the degree to which our hearts are so captivated by the love and grace of God, for what he's done for us, what he does for us every day, I believe that the degree to which we are enamored, we adore, we are in love with this God who for reasons known only to himself has made us his own, the degree to which we, our hearts overflow in worship is the degree to which we will now talk about, proclaim the excellencies back to the world from which we have been called out. May God... So so now, think about this. If your worship is sort of, you know, kind (laughs) of... That level of, of, of excitement about, and I don't mean you have to run any aisles, but if, there's, if nothing is going, if you're not fervent in, inside of you saying, oh God, I don't know why you have called me to yourself, but I thank you. I praise your name. It, to the degree that there's a boiling inside of us to express to to God, to proclaim his excellencies back to him, to the degree that there's that kind of heat here, there will be that kind of heat, that desire, that passion to go proclaim it to the people around us. Does that make sense? 
That's, I, I, I just believe that. I think that's... So we need to think about our worship. And we, we need to remind ourselves. That's why I think we have the Lord's Supper. Part of it is to come back to our spiritual roots and say, Oh God, the extravagant grace that you have given to us. So, that who are we? A chosen race, this royal priesthood? Think about it. We are all priests. There isn't some special order called priests. That's nonsense. The Bible calls all believers priests. And we all serve God. We all have access to the Lord uh, via one mediator. Not Mary, not anybody else. Just Jesus Christ and Him alone. And we are royal priests. We are priests of a great king who is the king of the universe. And we offer sacrifices like the Bible says we ought to offer a body as a living sacrifice. And we offer our praise as a sacrifice. Later on, we'll take an offering. And we call it the deacon offering or benevolence offering. And what's that about? It's about our, our loving God so much that we want to love other people who don't have enough. So we give to help them. And so that's a sacrifice. The, uh, the book of Hebrews says, don't neglect to do good and to share with what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Well, who can offer a sacrifice? A priest. Wait, I, I don't have any special clothes. Like, you know, what, what is it? No, God makes us a royal priesthood. And the great new truth Peter states here is that the revelation that through Jesus Christ, every Christian is part of a new priestly order. It means that every true believer has immediate access to God, that he serves God personally, that he ministers to others, and that he has something to give, and we are able to worship and serve God acceptably. That's from Ed Blum in his commentary in the Expositor's Bible Commentary. That is us. We are priests, and he calls us a holy nation. Holy means to be separated. You go to the grocery store and you get in line. And you load your stuff on the cart or the, the conveyor belt, right? And then somebody else gets behind you and they have stuff. So what do you do? What do you use? An order separator, right? A little bar. So what's that saying? Mine. Mine. Separated to me. Has anybody ever like, take, like taken stuff out of your order? Like... Nobody's ever done that. But I just wonder, what would somebody would, what? You should try that, you know, when you're in line. You know, you know just for, you know, just to be, whatever that word is. Um, well, that's my stuff. Holy, separated. And then uh, that's who we are to God. He's pulled us out. He's, we're his. Isn't that awesome? Separate out of the world from darkness. And then he says there uh, that we, were, we are his own possession. So if God had, it, 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 we're precious to him. So if God had a refrigerator... And you know Jesus. He, if, you, if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. If he had a wallet, your picture would be in it. If he had a desk, you and among, among, amongst the other members of the family of God that he's chosen, they, you'd be there. Your picture, why is that? You're precious. We're his possession. He owns us. He bought us with the blood of Christ. And we haven't, there's a theological, there are theological implications that go back into the Old Testament here. Exodus 19, the book of Hosea. 
We don't even have time. Just saying, there's a tremendous, there are tremendous truths here that the blessings of Israel have been extended to us, the church, and we enjoy this relationship with God. And so Peter says, you are these things, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, so that you may proclaim. That's the idea. So, as, and he'll give you the words. You've got to use your words. You have to proclaim. Worship and then witness. The two are tied together. And the heat of one helps you understand what kind of passion will be in the other. Do both. And one of the ways that we, we sustain this ongoing witness, I want, you to, I want you to think about this. I want you to, we're going to hold these emblems, these, these wonderful symbols of, of Jesus and his death on the cross. And when we do that, when we hold this, can you just think of this phrase, see how he loves me. See how he loves me. The cross, the cross. You know, I, I said a month ago, <clears throat> a cross, a Roman cross, and the whole process of crucifixion would not be <clears throat> the subject of decent table conversation in a Roman household. It was too gruesome. It was too horrifying. It just wouldn't come up in a, in a decent conversation. But this is, what, this is the horror of what Jesus suffered on our behalf at the cross. Bless his name. The, you know, the cross, the fact that it took the, the sacrifice of the one and only Son of God, the holy, righteous, sinless Son of God, the fact that it took a cross and the shedding of blood and the pouring out of God's wrath upon him, it tells us, there are no longer any secrets in this place anymore. You and I have been exposed by the cross. Because it tells us we are as bad as we could ever be in our sin. Our sin is horrifying and it takes a horrifying sacrifice to deal with it. All your secrets are exposed by the cross. It's telling us you needed that. And so this morning when we hold the bread and then the cup and remind ourselves these are symbols of the bread of the body and blood of Christ it's just just hear these words see how he loves you and then as you go today afterward then rejoice in the in the salvation that he's given you and let all that bubble out in in witness to others